Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. The Ravens took care of business on Thursday Night Football in a game marred by injury and bad officiating. How much should Baltimore take away from this one? Plus, the A's have permission to leave, and the Clippers may not be able to figure this one out. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any Winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. It was supposed to be a terrific Thursday night football game. Joe Burrow against Lamar Jackson, two AFC heavyweights. We found out pretty early on as social media posts circulated with Joe Burrow having a wrap on that throwing thumb. And then he leaves the game video from the sideline. He cannot even grip the ball. He is inconsolable on the sideline in pain. The Ravens end up winning 34 to 20. Kevin Ostriker from Locked on Ravens joins me now. And Kevin, I don't mean to downplay what the Ravens did in this one, but injuries and officiating end up being the big story in this game. Unfortunately, um, that's just the product that we were given in this one. Yeah, you know, I think, Peter, the Ravens did what they were supposed to do, which, you know, Jake Browning comes in the game get a little nervous because Joe Burrow kind of walked that defense down the field on that touchdown drive. But the Ravens, with Jake Browning in the game, they blitzed them, they confused them. And on the offensive side of the ball, even though Lamar did go down with the ankle, comes back in the game, toughs it out. We're waiting to Mm -hmm. hear currently on Mark Andrews. Odell goes down late. But this, I kind of looked up, and the Ravens had 33 points. And I'm like, oh, okay, this, when did this happen? Because Gus Edwards continued his strong season. Keaton Mitchell did his thing as well. The key with the Ravens is them not, one, blowing fourth-quarter leads, and two, them not having these self-inflicted mistakes. Baltimore did neither in this game. And, yes, Joe Burrow going out was a factor. The officiating for both sides, honestly. The Ravens had some calls go against them. The Bengals obviously did as well. That was a factor, too. But I think a lot of people in Baltimore are just happy that the Ravens won this game in the fashion they did, even though it was minus a couple of key offensive play and defensive for the Bengals and Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Sam Hubbard, et cetera. This was also coming off a game in which the Ravens seemed to be in control of one and then let one slip away. You had to feel like that was that was on their minds this week. Second half, let's not Jake, let Jake Browning get back into this one. Uh, I want to talk about Odell because he was one of the stars of this game. And that had not really been the case so far this season, but each of the last two games before this one, he had scored a touchdown. He gets four catches for a buck 16 does not get into the end zone here. Um, what is he starting to round into form? Like what has been different for him that you see? Yeah, it seems that way. And I think honestly, the thing that Odell needed was time. He got injured early in the season. And I think that again, no one expected the Ravens to get, prime New York Odell, which was 1,200 yard seasons, 10 touchdowns. And that should never have been the perception of what his role was going to be. But I think what they've done is they've moved him around the field, put him in the slot some. And with that, he's just gotten healthy. I mean, him and Rashad Bateman both missed some time. And there was a lot of discourse about, well, is Odell washed? Is Rashad Bateman a bust? But now you have those guys. They're both great alongside Zay Flowers. All three of those guys are exceptional route runners. 
And we've seen that the weeks that have gone on, Odell has gotten stronger. He's gotten more confident. He's gotten better. I think the touchdown that he got off his back, that was a big one for him to be able to score and just have all that emotion be let out. Now he can go out there, play football, not force it. But I don't think he was necessarily forced into the point where it became an issue. The other part of it is Odell didn't have a lot of time with Lamar because Lamar didn't play in the preseason. Odell didn't play in the preseason. This was a new offensive system too. So I think the key to this Ravens offense was always, can they hit their stride in October, November, and then hit their peak when you start playing playoff football in January, February? They're on their way right now. So a bit inconsistent, but this was a great step. And Odell going over 100 for the first time since 2021 was a great moment for him and another milestone for him coming back from that injury understanding that Joe Burrow did not play for a portion of this game, but after last week and what happened with the Browns in the second half and, and the Ravens defense, which had been phenomenal uh, for much of the first half of this season, does this at least feel like a step for you that they can, okay, we're, we're still us even after what happened a week ago. Yeah, I think so. And part of the reason, both the offense and the defense, honestly, it was a little, worrying early on to see the Ravens almost get out physical again by the Cincinnati offense this time. But I think they definitely bounced back and they started to build their lead and they didn't give it up. The defense with Jake Browning, obviously, you know, they did their job, but the offense was moving down the field, taking time off of the clock. And that's not been the MO this year. The Ravens have been a lot more efficient this season where usually they're not going to take 10 minutes off the clock. They're going to run the ball, but they're going to also go down the field in five plays 80 yards in four minutes and just do it that way. So it was a nice bounce back game for them for sure, especially when you talk about just how disappointing that Cleveland loss was early in the game. You could see kind of some things lingering from that loss, but they shook it off quickly. And again, despite everything that drones galore, everything that happened in that game, it was a weird, wacky Thursday night game. And Peter, they always seem to be weird and wacky, but the Ravens got the job done. And honestly, you look at that score, dominating fashion. They did it in. Stay up to date all year on the Baltimore Ravens by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Ravens on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the A's got permission to leave the Bay Area, but the plan moving forward is still as murky as ever. Before we get to that, the status of Joe Burrow has everything up in the air for the Bengals. We're into the second half of the NFL season, and now is the best time to turn your sports knowledge into cash with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Like if you had the Ravens last night, like I did, and it was your first bet with FanDuel, you could be getting $150 in bonus bets. There's a wide range of betting options. Uh, spreads, player props, over-unders, teasers, and more. I have a teaser this week that I'm excited about, hoping to keep the momentum going. The Browns may be without Deshaun Watson, but that's not precluding them from being favored against the Steelers. Fandle has the Browns one-and-a-half-point favorites over the Steelers. That line has gone all over the place. You can also combine bets for a bigger payout. Same-game parlays are a great way to enjoy any sporting event. So go to Fandle.com slash LockedOn and do the NFL season right. Fandle official partner of the NFL. Locked On has launched a first-of-its-kind national 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top stories with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first-ever 
national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Joe Burrow missed most of Thursday night's game. It was announced after the contest that he has a sprained wrist. He was not on the injury report with that one. Locked on Bengals has more on what this means for Cincinnati's season. It doesn't feel good right now. He couldn't grip the ball on the sidelines, and obviously that's a concern. Jake, I don't know how or where you're at concern-wise, but to me it's like, oh, how long is he going to be out? Because it, it just it doesn't feel good right now, and it doesn't feel like it's just going to be a, a half that he misses. It feels like it might be more time, and I know I'm speculating, but I'm just giving him my feelings right now at one in the morning. Yeah, I mean, it, if he has to miss time, it's obviously atrocious for their chances the rest of the season where even if they do have him that playoff path is very difficult given the record in the AFC given that most of their wins came against the NFC West Michigan and coach Jim Harbaugh have agreed to the Big Ten's three-game suspension of the Wolverines coach the school announced Thursday which means Harbaugh will not coach Saturday at Maryland or and perhaps most importantly in the regular season finale against Ohio State. That game, usually a big deal. According to the statement, the Big Ten agreed to close its investigation, which means there won't be a hearing Friday morning, as was planned, and the case has been dismissed. The Big Ten also released a statement Thursday saying that Michigan withdrew its legal challenge as well. Attorneys representing Michigan and Harbaugh had initially filed a motion asking for an emergency temporary restraining order, along with a breach of contract complaint. The Cleveland Browns named Dorian Thompson-Robinson their starter for Sunday's game against the Pittsburgh Steelers after Deshaun Watson was lost for the season with a fracture in his throwing shoulder. DTR is confident in his second start, being much better than his first. I know what to expect now, he said. I'm not stepping out there for the first time, not going out there wide-eyed anymore. Thompson-Robinson started the first meeting against the Ravens in October in week four while Watson was dealing with a different shoulder injury. He threw three picks and was sacked four times. In fairness, he did not know he was starting until pre-game warm-ups. The Nets and the Heat squared off in Miami. The Heat scored a season high in their 122-115 win over the Nets on Thursday night. Jimmy Butler did it all, scoring 36 points, including going 2-5 of five on his three-pointers. Duncan Robinson scored 26 points. Bam Adebayo had 20 points. Miami's best offensive performance of the season. The Heat have now won seven straight games. Uh, but what about that offense stood out to you in this one, David? Just the free-flowing nature of it. Everybody moving with intent. I know that sounds like a spoism, but at the same time, that's what I saw anyway. Early on, even though the shots weren't falling, they looked like they were still kind of trying to pick their spots. Bam was having a little trouble with Nick Claxton. I think he's obviously uh, you know, still one of those challenges in terms of being able to attack length. That Claxton is mobile enough where he can force Bam into tougher looks. But once he got Dayron Sharp onto him, I think he was able to kind of figure it out. And from there, it just kind of steamrolled. And Jimmy just taking over the game. And I think just, again, moving with purpose, doing knowing exactly what he had to do to attack Mikal Bridges, finding weak spots in the defense. Brooklyn's defense overall is still pretty good. At least they have good defensive players. But Miami was able to find open opportunities, whether it was cutting along the baseline, constantly moving off ball. Just a lot of movement. And the NL and AL MVP award winners were announced Thursday night. Shohei Otani won it in the AL and Ronald Acuna Jr. won the NL MVP. Both choices 
unanimous. Acuna was impressive as he created his own category by being the first player to hit 40 homers and steal 70 bases. Speaking of creating their own category, Shohei Otani. That's it. That's the tweet. Here is another story you need to know. The Oakland Athletics will soon be the Las Vegas, maybe Athletics. A unanimous decision by ownership groups around Major League Baseball. And the big question is now what? Wayne Coy from Locked On Athletics joins me now to help answer that question and, and a lot more because really, this was, Wayne, a, a foregone conclusion, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, then what is the plan? So what what is the plan now? Because there are, are questions about stadiums and homes and all that stuff right now. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think that the fact that the vote was unanimous, uh, that doesn't tell you what we already figured, which is that uh, basically the PR nightmare that has been this whole thing, they wanted it to end. So the conversation is, look, you might have issues. You might have stuff that is still bothering you about this whole situation, but we need it to end. So everybody jump in line and let's go in lockstep, show solidarity. And MLB's pretty good at that. So they did. And that's that's where it's at. But uh, I don't really think it changes much at all, truthfully. So this is not going to happen right away. What are the next steps here? <laughs> well, if you, if you uh, just take what kind of filtered through today, it's that, yes, they have a lease for next year. Don't know where they're going to play, 25, 26, 27. And the analogy that uh, I've been using, it's like uh, your cousin Freddie, who doesn't really have a place to live, so he's on your couch for a couple of weeks, and then he's on her couch for a couple of weeks. And that, hey, by the way, do you have anything for dinner while I'm here? And that's really what it is. It's a nomadic thing. And I can't see players being into that. I know the fans aren't going to be into it. So honestly, what I project is that there will be an extension of the lease in Oakland. But I think that's going to come at a cost. What that cost will be, we'll have to wait and see. I know that Mayor Tao did say that she wanted uh, the A's to guarantee, well, one, that MLB would give them an expansion team, and two, that the name A's or Athletics stays behind, as do the team colors and all the intellectual property. Um, John Fisher has already announced that it's the A's that are moving to Vegas, as far as he's concerned. So I think that's off the table, but definitely not an expansion team. I think that's still a conversation, and uh, you got a rabid fan base there. They're about as loyal and boisterous as you're ever going to find in the sport, and they've supported that team when it's deserved to be supported, uh, let me throw that in, for 55 years. But this has been a very abusive relationship, Pete. It's been kind of like, you know, you keep getting threatened over and over again that somebody's going to smack you around, and you start to duck after a while. Well, there's a reason why the fans haven't shown up, You've doubled the price of season tickets. You've stripped the team down to the studs where what's on the field is basically, for all intents and purposes, a double-A or triple-A team. And you you expect that to mm. be taken any way other than, oh, those people in Oakland, they don't support their team. They don't show up. Look at all the empty seats. Well, that's what they wanted it to look like. And so this has played out exactly as the way Fishers wanted it to. But I will tell you, there are still some speed bumps in the way. And until I see shovels in the ground, I don't believe it yet. Well, and and you mentioned some of the speed bumps. The Nevada's Teachers Union is fighting the $380 million in public funding that is set to go toward this new right. $1.5 million or billion dollar, excuse me, $1.5 million to be over. Uh, they, they, they'd have built it by now. Um, and it, it, let's be honest, Wayne, it's not going to be $1.5 billion. It never is. There's always cost overruns. By the time they finish it, it'll be closer to two. 
and on the hook will be the Nevada taxpayers. We know that that's how, how this works. It's how that always works. But I want to I want to ask you one thing that you mentioned because you talked about the fans and their loyalty and they've supported this team when they have deserved to be supported. Well, so now you've got borrowed time here, 2028. There is a set date here. How do you, yeah. how do you think fans are going to respond for the next couple of years? Well, if you're going to take uh, opening day as any sort of uh, example of what to expect, the place is going to be packed. That, that parking lot, opening day 2024, is going to be full. The stadium will be empty because the fans are going to stay in the parking lot. They're going to tailgate their butts off and boycott, not a reverse boycott, but a real boycott of opening day baseball. And it's only going to get worse from there. Just so get ready for that. Stay up to date on all the drama surrounding the Oakland A's by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On A's on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. And yes, it will still be Locked On A's when they go to Vegas. Coming up, it doesn't seem like the Clippers can figure this out. The Clippers traded for James Harden and have promptly lost every game since. <laughs> Locked on NBA host John Corrales and Jake Madison do not see them fighting this out. The real thing is that they still haven't figured each other out. And it's, it is a work in progress. But their work in progress hasn't won a damn thing yet. 0-5 with Harden. 0-6 since, since the trade. And down the stretch, they they were up. They had it with five minutes to go. They're up by five. Westbrook comes out. Harden comes in. They're outscored 19-9 the rest of the way, including a 7-0 run. The Clippers, I don't know when they're going to figure this out, how they're going to figure this out. It's a mess. Like, it's a mess. Like, they're eventually going to need to put Westbrook on the bench, which is going to negate all of the good. And he found like kind of the right role for them earlier yeah. on in the season. And then this trade well. just threw everything off that they do well and just threw them all out of whack. And now you're basically kind of building everything from the ground up, it feels like. I think a lot of us kind of saw a, this kind of thing happening. Dude, everyone saw this. Everyone right. saw this. I was about to make a joke of like, who could have seen this coming? And the answer is everyone. Everyone saw this coming. This was always a move of desperation. Trading for James Harden was an omission from the organization that the team they had was not good enough. And, of course, Steve Ballmer's trying to sell some tickets. They've got a new arena that they're trying to open up. And we don't know the future of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. James Harden is a superstar in reputation at the very least. So you can sell tickets with James Harden. You have the glitz and the glamour of L.A. with James Harden. He gives you something that's not always manifesting on the court. For good and for ill, by the way. And they knew that when they made this trade. They were desperate. They can still get better. But even the best version of this team, I don't think has any chance to beat Phoenix at their best or Denver at their best. Here's the thing, though. We know in the NBA. It rarely plays out the way we think. And so maybe Denver won't be at their best. Maybe Phoenix won't be at their best. And then you make a trade for moments like that. And finally, lots of people spend more than four years in college. Some even spend eight years. Few of any play collegiate sports for eight years. Seth Towns is one of those few. 
Howard coach Kenny Blakeney announced on Tuesday that the NCAA had cleared Towns to play for Howard this year. Towns began playing collegiate basketball for Harvard in, get this, 2016. He played two years and then missed the next two with multiple knee injuries. He then transferred to Ohio State as a grad transfer and played 25 games for the Buckeyes. A back injury kept him out of the following year, and then he sat out 2022. Now that he is cleared for Howard, Towns will get the Ivy League, Power 5, and HBCU college experiences. Just makes me think of David Spade's quote from the movie Tommy Boy. Yes, lots of people go to college for eight years. They're called doctors. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day and local experts on Locked On, plus our national show covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Coming up on the next Locked On Sports Today, who's already out of the playoff picture in the NFL? So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on sports today.